Five Drive. Nikki, firstly, you're a SAFTA winning editor and you were nominated for three SAFTAs in the past two years for your work on Steinheist, Devil's Dorp and Murder in Paris, which are all brilliant documentaries. What is it you find fascinating about this genre? Yeah, um, I, I guess I'm, 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 I'm a sucker for it like everybody else. Um, uh, it's it's just I guess the the combination of looking at the human psyche of um, I guess the thrill of 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 it, but then I I quite enjoy the unpacking of the society that allows these things to happen. So I I, I think that even though true crime is sometimes sort of relegated into a sort of pulpy mm. popular kind of um, yeah, almost looked down upon as a genre, I think it's actually super important in that it allows us to unpack serious issues that we have in society. I agree. Um, and congratulations on your directorial debut for Convict Conman. Why did you decide to tell this story as a writer and director? Um, well, I was uh, I have worked um, in the past, as you as you mentioned, with the producers of of Steinheist and um, Devil's Daughter, as well as Rosemary's Hitler. So we have a, a good working relationship, and I was very privileged that they approached me with this project. Um, and uh, when I saw the subject matter and that it was uh, telling the story of sexual abuse in this country, then I thought this is something that is quite close to my heart. Um, as a woman, but also as just a person living in South Africa, we we have so much of this trauma in our everyday lives, whether it's fear of it, recovering from an experience of it, or dealing with a, a friend or family member who's gone through something like that, that I just thought this is really something that I would love to contribute to the conversation on and, and, and bring kind of, uh, you know, true crime allows us to talk about things because... Um, you have a, a way to hold it away from yourself and say, did you watch that thing on about um, sexual abuse or crazy? Hey, but then you're actually talking about an important issue. So yeah, I was, um, I, I was very pleased to be able to tell a story like this. Can you delve a little bit more into how important it was for you to tell the story? Because as you mentioned, it does address gender-based violence and the first episode released during 16 Days of Activism. And I do feel like it's an important time to, I mean, we should always be shining light on these kinds of topics, yeah. but especially during 16 Days of Activism. Yes. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. I mean, I think... Um, I was uh, very uh, excited to tell the story, but I also realized that it's a huge responsibility. You, you, this is a story that I definitely wanted to try my best to get right. Um, you are asking people to share very traumatic details of their lives, and I didn't want to do that in a way that wouldn't help them as well. So it's, it's about creating a piece of content that other people are going to watch, but you're also dealing with real people. So I think I, I tried to tread incredibly carefully and considerately with how, with how to tell the story, who to ask to tell the story, how to make them feel comfortable, um, because it's, it's tricky. It's tricky to get this stuff right. Mm. And it's also so frustrating to see how many victims reported sexual assault and were not taken seriously by authorities. So I think it's incredible that you got these victims to be a part of the documentary as well and also deal with such sensitive stories because they are very real. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, the the story first broke on carte blanche in, in 2012, 2013. And I think a, a lot of those women who spoke out then were um, having the desire to get to stop this guy and to 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 put him away. But now, sort of eight, nine, ten years later, to ask someone to talk about it without that um sort of goal in mind is also tricky to ask someone to revisit. Mm. So yeah, I was um I was very pleased with with the fact that some people felt that they wanted to talk and we had some nice conversations off off camera as well where it felt like, you know, a, a, a sense of sisterhood. And did you interact with Davi de Villiers at all during the making of the documentary series? No, no, I didn't. I mean, I, 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 I did, of course, my my snooping on his profiles <laughs> and uh, <laughs> watching, you know, the raw footage of that carte blanche interview. So I think I got a sense of him, but no, I, I've I've never spoken to the man. It's so shocking and disappointing to see how he got away with everything for so long and. The media often gets so much flack, but I appreciate that we can see the importance of the media in the story because the journalists were the ones who picked these stories up and actually fought for the victims. Um, can you speak on the, the role that the journalist had to play? Absolutely, and I'm so glad you said that, and I'm so glad I'm speaking to a journalist as well. <laughs> yes, I think the, the media does such an important role, and um, and of course you don't always get it right, and maybe we get it 80% right, and sometimes we get it even less than that right, but we're all trying our best to kind of uh, ventilate and expose things, and I think that was an important part of the story for me, was to, was to kind of high-five the journalists who who worked hard on the story, like um, Sasha and Bernadette and, and Jana, and spending time with him and, and getting to know their story and also how it affects journalists, you know, like um, you have to be the face to the public where, where you don't get the answers and people are cross with you, but they don't actually know how hard it is to try and get those answers and how you become completely consumed and that there's so many leads that don't make it or lead you to something else that nobody has any idea about. I mean, Sasha was a very young journalist when she started working on this story in 2012. And I can just imagine how deeply, I mean, she told me how deeply it impacted her and how it stayed with her even all these years later, speaking to those uh, victim survivors, like urging them to place um, a case with the police uh, going to meet him herself and interviewing on carte blanche and then of course getting all those crazy backlash emails from him it's it's not easy and fe and female journalists also exist in a particular space i think within the media where they're often subject to abuse i mean we saw that with Beryl Hafiji during um the state capture years mm. so yeah i i i really wanted to to put to have that as part of the story I love that. And in terms of the victims, um, you know, there are there are so many other people out there who are in similar situations. Um, so many other Darby de Villiers as well, and even Darby de Villiers himself. I mean, who knows? Yes. Um, what is your message to, to other women out there who are or have been in a similar boat to these victims? 
Well, you know, I, I um, really uh, also enjoyed the character's voice, Tando Hopper, the model and lawyer, and she she says you've you've got to trust yourself. You know, I think we are, and she says you we what was she say? You put yourself into positions of discomfort, and we're told to work through it. Mm. I think we all have this deep sense when we know we're not feeling safe, but we don't. We don't always listen to ourselves and because we don't want to be rude or we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, whatever might be holding us back. And I think it's not easy to do. I'm not saying that I know how to do it either, but I guess my message is that we've all got to listen to ourselves and if you're not feeling comfortable, you have to, you have to trust that because it's all we've got. And I think he took advantage of that kind of space. I also think it's amazing if, if you are in the space where you are able to uh, lay a charge, you feel strong enough, you have a support system, um, and you're able to follow through with a trial. I think that is incredible because there's a lot of underreporting, and unfortunately that means that people get away with it. Mm. And finally, we see, um, I suppose, faults in our prison system as well. Do you think, though, that we are somewhat getting to a better space than we were a few years ago, or it, there's still a lot, a lot to work on? Sure. I mean, it, I think that's a, a very good and difficult question <laughs> to answer. Um, I, I, I mean, I, ha I have this brief experience with the prison system, so I can't say I'm by any means an expert, but what I do understand is that there is, um, a lot of people in prisons. There's people who have been arrested and they don't have money to pay bail. So they may or may not be guilty, but they are in prison and there's huge amounts of overpopulation. So there, we have a lot of strain on the prison system, which will lead to other problems. Um, and I think our, our prison wardens are underpaid, which, you know, opens the gateway for the potential for corruption. So, um, I mean, I don't, uh, I always like to be hopeful. I'm, I'm a patriotic South African, but I do think we have a huge amount of issues that need to be dealt with. Yeah. Nikki, thank you for shining light on gender-based violence and this topic in general. And thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for reaching out to me. And it was wonderful to chat to you. Catch up from some of the best moments from the 5 Drive team by going to 5FM's catch-up page on the 5FM app or 5FM.co.city.